RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. An expert questions whether the planned travel bubble with Singapore can go ahead. Debate continues over the decision to order foreign domestic helpers to take COVID tests. And the chief executive accuses some healthcare staff of deliberately spreading misinformation. A doctor from the Medical Association has described as very ominous the discovery of two local cases of mutant strains of coronavirus. Dr Alvin Chan said Hong Kong had been too complacent and risked following the example of Singapore, which saw an exponential rise in infections over the weekend of a more infectious strain. He told RTHK it was most likely impossible that a travel bubble between the two cities would start on May the 26th, and he lamented the low vaccination rate here. These two community cases of the mutant variants had been very ominous to me. So we could follow the footsteps of Singapore easily. So that is not a loving matter because one patient had already died in Singapore in this new outbreak. Already 69 confirmed cases just within two weeks. So I, I think it's an exponential rise of cases in Singapore, you know. And we are going to launch a travel bubble with them. So it's just now most likely impossible. Dr Chan said the government should allow asylum seekers to be vaccinated. He also expressed sympathy towards the city's 370,000 foreign domestic helpers who have been ordered to take tests. He said in fairness their employers should also be tested. Epidemiologist Benjamin Cowling from the University of Hong Kong says he doesn't see maids as a high-risk group. He told RTHK that the, foreign, the infection rate in foreign domestic helpers was the same as for the rest of the population. When we look at the statistics, and I hope the government will announce how many cases there have been in foreign domestic helpers, but what I think is that they're not necessarily particularly high risk. The rate of infections in domestic helpers in Hong Kong is about the same as the rate of infections in the population as a whole. The order for foreign domestic helpers to get tested met strong criticism from both employers and employees, but one scientist says it's necessary in order to cut silent transmission in the community. Maggie Hill reports. Joanne Tong from the Mission for Migrant Workers said helpers were willing to comply but felt the measures were discriminatory, especially as it wasn't known how a maid in Tongchong caught the highly infectious variant. As well as the testing order, the government said it was planning on making vaccination compulsory before any helpers renewed their contracts. For the employer's side, chairwoman of the Association of Hong Kong Manpower Agencies, Theresa Liu, said the government didn't explain who should pay compensation if a helper suffered serious side effects from the vaccine or who should settle long service pay if a maid refused to jab and was forced to leave Hong Kong. But Gilman Sue from the Polytechnic University defended the testing order, saying the scope had to be large enough to stop any silent transmission. Top microbiologist Yun Kwok Yung says the government must identify the loopholes in the SAR's quarantine measures after the foreign domestic helper contracted the mutant strain. Tests show the virus carried by the maid is genetically identical to that found in a man who flew in from Dubai. Here's Professor Yun. We must do very good rapid multi-layer contact tracing to understand how this Dubai man uh, gives the virus into somebody and then finally reach the Filipino made in Dongchong. That is our first priority. We must understand the whole process. In order that we can stop it from spreading in the community first, second is we want to learn the lesson. How come there is still a hole, there is a leak in our quarantine measures? That is the most important. The chief executive, Carrie Lam, has accused some healthcare staff of politicising the government's anti-epidemic work and spreading misinformation. She was speaking at an annual convention organised by the hospital authority. 
Despite that public safety is at stake, a small group of people have repeatedly sought to undermine our anti-epidemic efforts, including distorting the purpose of the universal community testing program last September, or slandering mainland vaccines. To counter that, my government has been highly transparent about our anti-epidemic initiatives and programs. Speaking at the same event, the Hospital Authority's Chief Executive Tony Coe said public hospitals had suspended some non-emergency services as part of their strategy to deal with the pandemic. And although the situation had eased, healthcare staff were still dealing with a backlog of patients. Thanks to the support from the government and a dedicated team in fighting the virus, despite we have been hit by different waves of COVID-19, now I'm very happy to tell you our service have by now largely resumed to our usual levels. Nonetheless, the numbers of previous service suspensions has inevitably created additional burdens to our already long waiting time. Meanwhile, journalists think that press freedom in Hong Kong has become the worst on record, according to the latest survey by the Journalists Association. It recently interviewed more than 350 reporters. Besides the survey's main freedom index, many indicators dipped to record lows, including those for worsening self-censorship and the lack of legal protection for the media. The HKJS chair, Chris Young, says things will probably get even worse and the media and the SAR will increasingly become part of the propaganda machine. We are only at the very beginning stage of a hardened approach by the government to ring in the media, aiming to erode or severely weaken the power of the media as a watchdog. Examples that I cite, say, search of public data and plan to legislate on fake news, and also a pretty general and broad statement repeatedly made by Carrie Lam, the chief executive, that the government will so-called improve the media system. I honestly don't know what she has in mind. The HKJA also interviewed the public and their main index on free press rebounded slightly from the record low the year before. That's largely because they think reporters are less subjected to physical violence while reporting compared to 2019. The U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, has accused China of acting more aggressively abroad and more repressively at home. In an interview with CBS News, he said Beijing was behaving in increasingly adversarial ways, but stressed that the military confrontation was profoundly against the interests of both countries. He said Washington was not trying to keep China down. Our purpose is not to contain China, to hold it back, to keep it down. It is to uphold this rules-based order that... China is posing a challenge to. Anyone who poses a challenge to that order, we're going to stand up and and defend it. The Sydney Morning Herald says Australia will review the 99-year lease of a commercial and military port to a Chinese firm. It said defence officials were checking if Landbridge Group, owned by Chinese billionaire Ye Chang, should be forced to give up its ownership of the port in Darwin on national security grounds. Landbridge won a bidding process in 2015 to operate the port in a deal that raised eyebrows in the United States because the port is the southern flank of US operations in the Pacific. Meanwhile, New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern said differences between between New Zealand and China were becoming harder to reconcile. In a speech in Auckland, she said those differences need not define their relationship. India's Supreme Court has told the government to ensure that Delhi gets the oxygen supply it needs by the end of today. The order came after more hospitals treating coronavirus and the patients in the capital said they were about to run out. Here's the BBC's Naresh Kaushik. The Supreme Court's order came a day after 12 people died at a hospital in Delhi when their oxygen supplies dried up. 
the latest in a series of such incidents that have killed dozens of people. Many more COVID patients are reported to have lost their lives while their families have been trying to find oxygen cylinders to help with their breathing at home. Coronavirus infections have surged dramatically in India over the past month, putting the country's health system under severe strain. Dozens of cities across Brazil have been forced to stop giving people a second dose of the coronavirus vaccine because of shortages. At least six state capitals, including Rio de Janeiro, have been affected. The health minister blamed his predecessor, saying he allowed too many people to receive the first dose without having enough stocks for a follow-up. And the number of COVID-19 cases in Argentina since the beginning of the pandemic has topped 3 million. Hospitals are full and earlier this week, the government extended re- restrictions in the worst affected areas for at least another month. An overnight curfew starting at 8 in the evening remains in place in Buenos Aires and other parts of the country. More than 64,000 people have died of COVID in Argentina. The percussionist Zhang Feng has been named BBC Young Musician of 2020 for his performances on the marimba. The Chinese-born musician, who's 17, has been performing around the world since he was 11 and is a member of the China Youth Percussion Orchestra. Finance now and the exchange fund has swung back into the black for the first quarter compared with the same period last year. The massive fund used to defend the city's currency made an investment return of $11.6 billion compared with a loss of $112 billion in the same period last year. But it was 90% down on the previous quarter. Investment in foreign equities contributed the most, bringing a return of nearly $20 billion and helping to offset a loss of $16 billion in bonds. The Monetary Authority has revised the fund's full-year result for 2020 to a return of $236 billion, up from its preliminary figure of $198 billion in January. And the Monetary Authority's chief executive, Eddie Yu, says the fund's performance this year will largely hinge on U.S. inflation risks and how the market interprets them. If inflation comes in in a bigger way and seems to be more sustained, then the question is, will the Fed be able to hold their current very accommodative stance? Or do they have to start to think about reversing the direction of monetary policy by tapering the purchase of bonds or even think about an increase in interest rates? If that happens, there is a risk that the very elevated asset prices that we are now seeing in the market might have a bigger correction. There is also a risk that the flows that came into the emerging markets, including Asia and Hong Kong, will be reversed. Currencies, the US dollar is trading at 109.55 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar and 20 cents. The pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 73 cents. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 28,280, 444 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $53 billion. Sport now and Manchester United's English Premier League match against Liverpool was postponed because of a protest by fans at Old Trafford. Around 200 United supporters swarmed into the stadium ahead of the game to call for the removal of the club's American owners, the Glazers. The BBC's Gary Flintoff was inside the stadium and described what he saw. They made their way, first of all, onto the centre of the pitch. Many flares being shown, the yellow and green, the anti-Glazer colours, if you like, of the original Newton Heath football club, which, of course, was Manchester United before Manchester United were Manchester United. And, of course, they were chanting against the Glazers. The Glazers out was the, the mainstay of their chanting. The protests follow United's decision, along with five other Premier League clubs, to join European Super League last month, although all six English sides quickly pulled out. Ian Sterling is the vice-chair of the Manchester United Supporters Trust. 
European Super League plans laid bare the motivation of these owners. There's always been an uneasy truce with the United fans and uh, the current ownership. And today's outpouring is totally understandable when you see uh, what has been laid bare by them in terms of the motivations. We believe as supporters trust there's a better way to work and having fans at the centre of that is essential. Liverpool say they're in full agreement with the Premier League's decision to call off the game. A Liverpool win could have handed the title to Manchester City, but at the moment the title remains mathematically undecided. Elsewhere in the Premier League, Tottenham swept aside relegated Sheffield United 4-0 to go fifth. The game in London featured a hat-trick from Gareth Bale. Yeah, we're all professional. We, we know how to deal with loss and... Uh... The, only, the best way to do that is to, to come back and fight stronger and show your character and uh, I definitely think we did that today. The most important thing is, is we got the three points. Um, yeah, vitally important. We need to win every game now to, to have a chance of finishing the top four and um, yeah, there's one down and we still have a few more to go. Arsenal moved up to ninth in the table with a 2-1 win at Newcastle. The Arsenal boss, Mikel Arteta, says it was the perfect result for his side as they look to overturn a first-leg deficit against Villarreal in the Europa League semi-final second leg on Thursday. Winning and, and playing the way we've done today, keeping the clean sheet, it gives uh, the team comfort and, and confidence and, and this is exactly what we need. That we, go at, we go play at home and make sure that we all believe that we can beat them and we beat them. And the title race in Italy is over as Inter Milan clinched their first Serie A title in 11 years. Celebrations began after their closest challenges, Atalanta, were held to a one-all draw by Sassuolo. Inter last year last won the title in 2010 under Jose Mourinho. This time, Antonio Conte's title breaks a run of nine straight Juventus championships, the first of which was won under Conte. Nicky Bandini is a European football writer. It's not come as a surprise in the end because Inter's uh, progress through the second half of this season has been unrelenting. I think they've picked up 41 out of the last available 45 points. They've just been winning and winning and winning. In the end, the narrative here belongs to Antonio Conte. It, he was the one who started Juventus' cycle. Now in his um, second season at Inter, he's broken that cycle and who knows, perhaps started a new one for Inter. In the Netherlands, Ajax won the Dutch league again. A 4-0 home win over Emmen saw them clinch the title with three games to spare. Their title celebration comes the same week that manager Eric Ten Hag signed a new contract to stay with Ajax. And to end the news, top stories once again. An expert questions whether the planned travel bubble with Singapore can go ahead. Debate continues over the decision to order foreign domestic helpers to take COVID tests. And the chief executive accuses some healthcare staff of deliberately spreading misinformation. The news from RTHK. Figure it's about the right time To tell you about the guy that you sent round Who's eating away at the back of my mind And I can hear you bop, 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 bop Change your world. But sometimes reality gets me. 
Afternoon and welcome to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Monday afternoon. Monday, the third of May, is today's date. Many thanks once again to Phil for the morning brew today. And since today's Monday, you know we're going to start the week by talking about our health and fitness, and we'll be chatting with fitness coach Nathan Solier about various forms of hit training, high intensity trainings. We'll be talking about the HIT the H-I-L-T, and also the H-I-I-L-T. So many different forms of high-intensity training. So which one is most suitable for you? So stay tuned for Nathan Solia after the 2 o'clock news. And after that, uh, after 2.30, we'll have Trash Talk back on the airwaves. And this week, Oceans Asia co-founder Gary Stokes is back.